to even just be in the bedroom and like be Asian American. There's already a stereotype that exists for me that like I'm like docile and like my pussy is tight or and like other creepy stereotypes about the way I'm supposed to perform in bed and like that definitely translate with the way that like men talk to me or women for that fact. Getting like a lot of messages going like hey girl let me eat that chow mein. Yeah, they sent me a gif of like some dude ordering takeout and like oh, sent me a bunch of winks and <laughs> let me t- <laughs> <laughs> let me get up in that main. <laughs> yeah, like let me t- let me toss that chow mein. No! <laughs> Welcome to Hard and Soft. Today we'll be talking about anxiety during sex, and today on the show we have Alyssa Liu. Alyssa is an ASUC senator, and she is a hay-eating, shit-posting, meme-loving Texan. Howdy, I eat hay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an Asian-American woman from Sugar Land, Texas, and yeah, it's a suburb of Houston, suck it, whatever. Um, but I study legal studies and political economy, and I'm a third year here, so I've already had three years of being defeated by this campus. <laughs> I know a few things. <laughs> Today on the show, we'll be talking about sensitive issues mental health, consent, sexual health, and if these are topics that you'd rather not listen to, feel free to stop right now. Something important to talk about while we're talking about mental health is the matter of anxiety and how it manifests on a day-to-day basis. Chris and Alyssa, can you tell the listeners how your anxiety manifests on a day-to-day basis? Well, for me, it kind of appears in any, any moment that I feel triggered, and a lot of those moments that trigger me are uh, moments where I have to make a decision. I'm a really bad decision maker. I'm also really bad with confrontation. So a lot of hard conversations trigger me to like retreat in my mind. And also during sexual encounters, I feel very triggered as well because that forces me to confront my body. Yeah, I definitely feel that, especially with confronting uh, communication problems. And I think something that often does come up in sex is just consent and being able to be on the same page with your partner, just going on a day-to-day basis and having to confront all these various methods of communication, confrontation with different people and different social circles. Then I get overwhelmed by the end of the day. And a lot of the times my anxiety manifests when I'm finally alone and confronted by all the thoughts in my head of what has happened in the day and all mm-hmm. the regrets. So they all culminate then. And so for me to have to make a further decision afterwards to like have sex is too extra for me. <laughs> so I fucking cannot, extra dude. I cannot. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I can't like, sometimes like, yeah, I want sex. Physically want to have sex, but at the same time, like my mental health maybe can't take that capacity. And so I sit there and I'm horny, but in distress. <laughs> <laughs> it's like horny, but like also trapped in your mind at the same time. It's like, I have a hard on, but my mind doesn't. It's like a weird kind of like disconnect between your mind and your body. This pressure of, oh, I know I haven't done anything for a few days, so I'm horny. And when I end up having a consensual hookup partner, um, I may have wanted it earlier, but when they show up, that disconnect could occur. And the sense of like, I was horny and I invited you here, but now like it's not as poppin', like my mind is actually freaking out. Something may have triggered me in the few minutes that you were here that made that stop. And so that creates this moment of, I was horny, but now I'm not, or maybe I still am, but I don't want to deal with you. And then you have to deal with like another person and you're like, oh fuck, I can't even deal with myself. Like, 
And you have to put on your best self and pretend like everything's okay, but in actuality, you're just like, uh, gotta go. <laughs> that was really soft of you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, the, yeah, the worry is there that like you can barely take care of yourself. At the same time, you are human. You have needs, so expressing those needs are often really difficult when you have that disconnect. Because one, it's difficult to put into words. Like, how do you even actualize the type of feelings that you have in which you are disconnected from what your mind says and what your body says? Your body may. Want this physical confrontation, you might need this intimacy, and a lot of people need intimacy. But at the same time, you may not be emotionally ready, or you may not be mentally present, and it causes a lot of barriers. Like you can't communicate what your kinks and fetishes are. You can't communicate what hurts you, what doesn't. You can't communicate. Anything in the moment, it makes it really difficult. So oftentimes, you have to really take these into consideration prior to planning sex, and that's the that's the shitty part, though. Like you right. shouldn't constantly have to plan sex if you're already planning like the rest of your life. Like my four-year plan, cackles <laughs> 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 in Comic Sans. <laughs> but like if you're already planning every part of your life, then all of a sudden you still have to plan your intimate relations. Mm-hmm. It just makes everything extra. <laughs> and I'm sure planning is different when. You're in a committed relationship as opposed to just hooking up with people, and for both of you, that happens different. The thought processes are different. The ways in which you think about sex and planning and talking to your partner are different. Yeah, so I'm actually in a long distance relationship right now. Yes. My- Snapping. <laughs> For me, my partner who's currently in Berlin studying abroad, like, I'm horny, where are you? I'm just kidding. But, Hi, but, babe. <laughs> hey, babe. <laughs> but for us, like, when when he was still here and, like, planning sex, that made it a lot more comfortable to have, like, have a partner that already knows, like, what you like and can, like, deal with it or has and potentially, like, share similar experiences. So there's already that really solid mutual grounding. But prior to that, when I like, wasn't in a relationship and looking for intimacy, that was a hellscape. I was like, no, I don't want to. I, like, needed intimacy. I needed, like, the physical attraction, but I couldn't push myself to do that. Like, I hardly can get out of bed. I can hardly see my friends, let alone, like, go on this tender date with someone who swipe right. It's difficult when you're looking for someone who is only invested in like a short amount of time, like a hookup. It's really difficult to be able to take that time and be mature about like, what does your partner want? Like, let's communicate our kinks and fetishes, how we feel, and just be able to have that mutual understanding even during the act that you should be keeping up with the partner. You should make sure that they're having a good time the same way that you are. And I think what what's difficult with a hookup and for Tinder, and this is my experience, that oftentimes you're just there to do it and then you leave. So yes. investing any like emotional time into making sure your partner is okay is like a, no, like. There's no time for that. It's very in and out. It's very level two kind of relationship. And what would you suggest for somebody who's looking to, you know, smash that fucking like button? Sure. <laughs> um, I think. I want to swipe around. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Probably be better than 100% of everyone I've encountered. Um, <laughs> ooh, that was a roast. The cat's out of the bag. Ooh. Um, <laughs> I think when it comes to me and you swipe right on me some things you should know. I back out a lot. That might be our date. That might be in the midst of the hookup. Um, and I have the right to do that because I have the right over my body and my own mental state. But I think that that's something that like is hard to get across without making you seem like a dick or a wimp. Or flaky. I think yeah. that's the issue, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, like, I took my time out to meet him, but he doesn't <laughs> want to do anything with me. Like, wah, <laughs> cry more. Like, you should be taking care of the person that you're going to seek an intimate relationship, even if it's just in that moment. Like, you need to be taking care of that person. That's so true. And it's like, 
I, I think that people think that I'm not into them or I like hurt them in some way. But would you rather me come and just it be a fucking shit show? Because that will fucking <laughs> happen. Like I could come when I'm feeling particularly anxious or particularly horrible and go on a date with you and I will just talk your ear off and not give a fuck. That's my problem is when I go on these dates, I just fucking word vomit over all of them. When it comes to what kind of relationships I want, I find myself in the perpetual pursuit of a long-term relationship, but just encountering multiple failures along the way. Um, even though I am hard, I, I love a good hookup. I love fucking around when I'm in the mood for that. Um, that mood comes and goes. Potentially within the same hour, it, it can happen, and then it can leave um, in the same interaction with someone. But when it comes to like a relationship, I think I want ideally a long-term one so I can get to understand someone better and they can understand my anxiety and my kinks better. Because it's hard for me to bring all of those things up you know, in a hookup and say, hey, I'm, I'm into this. Or sometimes I have panic attacks and I want you to leave the room. Um, it's hard for me to tell that to someone I just met. I think like for... I think for me, like, short-term relationships are really difficult because if I do get emotionally invested in short-term relationships, knowing that it's going to end really soon, it, it does really worry me and it causes a lot more anxiety for, on my end because as much time as I want to take into investing in somebody and really, like, taking care of them and for them to take care of me, it's a bit more difficult when the time is constrained. So as someone who is in a long-term relationship, technically, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it has been a lot more comforting to know that like somebody does understand me that we do have this like mutual grounding with one another and that like we already know like how each other reacts in certain situations and we can also like take into account and respect each other's space i feel like for short-term relationships um like chris was saying it's really hard to be able to like communicate that you're not necessarily enjoying something or you right. don't really like something that much because like you don't want to seem selfish in the moment, especially knowing that you have a short amount of time, you don't want to like take up that space for yourself. But like, hunty, you need to. <laughs> like, if you have anxiety, like you need to be taken care of, and you need to take care of. Like, the first person to make that step is you. I think it's really important to talk about these things, especially with anxiety, and you know, making sure that your mental health remains intact while you're in uncomfortable situations, such as hooking up or even being in a relationship. Um, something that I've experienced is that partners who don't want to talk about their experiences, especially if it's anxiety or mental health struggles, it usually comes out at a time that's deeply uncomfortable. Like one time I was hooking up with somebody and they had a panic attack like from the jump and that took like, I had to get a glass of water and I didn't know what to do and I kind of just panicked myself. So going forward, it really helped to talk about it and to make sure that they had a space that, that was okay for them. And for you to you know, what kinds of ways have partners helped you to make it more comfortable? I think it's kind of sad for me to say this, but I don't think it's happened very often where I've been helped. Um, I know, it's really unfortunate. I think, I think a lot of my hookups have been in this kind of, you know, fucking Chuck culture uh, that I feel like we have, especially at Cal for some reason. I don't know. I, I think we need to build more of a space for mental health understanding in hookup culture. I think that like hookup culture itself can be really toxic. It can be like really fucking hot too. Like I've had for sure some good experiences when I'm not feeling triggered, but there should be a way to have that dialogue during a hookup or a way to do that. And the, the thing is I pressure myself into not to, and like I haven't even had this conversation publicly. <laughs> Alyssa's snapping. <laughs> um, it's just a difficult one to have, especially with someone that's in front of you and is expecting something from you. So that's something I want to do going forward and be more demanding of my partners. I've had moments where I've like wanted to end hookups 
and they didn't understand why and they were like well why did you invite me here or why are you saying these things that you want to do if you can't even do them and that comes from like the way my anxiety manifests when I'm having sex is like I can't perform sometimes and that leaves people with a bad reaction is like when you can't get hard a lot of the times they're like do they think I'm ugly or like why what do they want from me or like whatever and like you know sometimes it's like really funny to make fun of guys like sometimes you know when they can't get it up like <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know it's happened to me before and it's really sad because it comes from a place of nervousness um where I don't I, I want to fuck you like <laughs> that's why I asked you to come here but like I can't right now they usually like be more understanding and the thing about like mental health on this campus and the way it's spread is that like oftentimes we think about it in an academic setting where we are forced to perform a lot more than necessarily our capacity allows us to and that translates over to the way that that could translate over to the way that we like perform sexually as well like like there is a stigma for men and women in this in intimate moments to deliver a certain type of standard and for women we're often made fun of and we are often ridiculed for like the way our vagina looks if like we're orgasming or not and like trust me hunty it's more 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 than often like we're not so (laughs) 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 not our fault (laughs) But, but like that's the thing though is that mental health needs to be talked about in a larger capacity beyond just the academic setting yeah pressure in the bedroom is also very is very very high media sets out a standard in the way that like we should be fucking each other to even just be in the bedroom and like be asian american there's already a stereotype that exists for me that like i'm like docile and like my pussy is tight or and like other creepy stereotypes about the way I'm supposed to perform in bed and like that definitely translate with the way that like men talk to me or women for that fact getting like a lot of messages going like hey girl let me eat that chow mein (laughs) 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 yeah they sent me a gif of like some dude ordering takeout and like sent me a bunch of wings and let me <laughs> let me get up in that main. <laughs> yeah, like let me t- let me toss that chow mein. No. <laughs> so that's like very communicative in bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. No. <laughs> I make yeah. it sexy, daddy. <laughs> when I am hooking up with somebody and I notice that they're being anxious, I have a way of addressing it, and that's usually through my communicative abilities, and that's often manifested through dirty talk. So I, I'm, I'm like constantly talking to someone during the experience, and I try to make consent fun as best as I can as a nervous person. And so... I will say things like, oh, do you like that? Are you enjoying this? Do you want this? Would this be good for you? Just like bringing things up that they could enjoy or if they're even enjoying the current moment and like bring up opportunities where they could say no. I don't wow, making this sound like an instruction manual when it's very not, but like you should be asking like, are you comfortable if I do this next? Are you comfortable when, are you comfortable moving on to this kind of like act? That should be, that should be vocalized because oftentimes for women, sex is very vulnerable. Like, you should be asking every single moment, every, like, step of the way, like, okay, we're done kissing, like, do you mind if we move on to something else? And if they say no, you lay your hands off. Yeah. You get exactly. off. I kind of realize that everything about, like, the way I pursue intimate relationships is completely off. Just the way, like, I view, like, media taught me that to look a certain way to have sex, or I can only have sex in certain 
position, certain places, certain situations. And to me, that's pretty awful because one contributes to like negative body image. I can't be having sex if I have extra budge on my thighs. <laughs> Otherwise, the experience of stroking will be uncomfortable or like the sexualization of like the hairless body. Like, right. bitch, I don't have to shave. I don't want That shit it. gets me. <laughs> yeah, like that fucks me up. Like, I shouldn't have to look a certain way to have sex. What we see in media, like you see like people going out to dinner come back and they rip each other's clothes off and throw each other on their bed and like if someone threw me on the bed I'd be so scared <laughs> oh, <babe. laughs> like, I'd be like Josh hold me <laughs> soft hold me we're holding hands right we're now we're holding hands you can't see it but we are <laughs> like like that to me like that to me already perpetuates the idea that like consent isn't important when you just like see people like wildly going at each other when like in reality like if that actually happened I'd be like oh no we're stopping this right now I'm calling 911 <laughs> I'm getting an uber right now <laughs> oh my god self-perpetuating cycle of like low self-esteem <laughs> I don't see this kind of body in the media ever it's like I don't see somebody who's like 5'9 and Filipino and queer and you don't ever get exposed to that so when you see something that's vaguely similar you see somebody who's like asian you know somebody who's gay like you just latch onto it and hold on for dear life and never let go until like that person gets killed off yeah (laughs) (laughs) or like the next best thing comes along so like your favorite show get canceled yeah so you just like have to like oh i guess that's over canceled by representation yeah and like you know I think there's this weird cognitive dissonance. And that also relates to porn too. And like how I've, I'm a child that was raised on porn. I, I like discovered my identity through porn because there was no other fucking place for me to find out who I was. Juicy boobs. Juicy boobs. I Googled that shit, discovered I didn't like it and then went elsewhere. And like finding myself through porn is a very problematic way to grow up to see people that are just so manufactured, like engaging in sexual acts and then comparing how you could do it to them. I can't do the same shit they do. I can't fucking like lift someone up and then fuck them in the air like that. Like I have a bad back. I'm fucking frumpy as hell. I can't do that shit. You know what's scary when somebody pushes the person onto like a door or a wall and you're just like, ah, yeah, that's terrifying. I would break my back. And you're like expected to like enact that shit in like sexy situations. I'm like, fuck, like you push me against the door. I swear to God. That will be rocked. Not today. It's just like the Kool-Aid kid. <laughs> the Kool-Aid man. The Kool-Aid man. The bus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like bust through the wall. Yeah, bust a nut, bust through the wall. So the Kool-Aid man is a new standard of sex. Yeah. <laughs> he looks really unhealthy. He's so standards. problematic. <laughs> oh but it's just like, it's just like media teaches you that like you're supposed to behave in a certain way. And like for me, like I'm supposed to be like that random quirky Asian girl and like Glee. And <gasps> yeah, and like the thing is, is that like I can't deliver that way. Like I shouldn't be expected to be like this timid Asian girl in the bedroom. And like, and in like the way that media portrays just sex in general, it's very like romanticized. And like I, to me, I feel like that's not very. That's like a very uninclusive kind of image to be painting a narrative of sex because like. It doesn't account for anybody with a disability. It doesn't account for people who, like, don't look the same way. And, like, hardly I ever see, like, an Asian-American, like, being portrayed in a positively sexy way. Like, oftentimes we're, like, stereotyped to, like, being a nerd or, like, 
or in Glee, like someone apparently who's adopted by a Jewish family. Yeah. Like that's <laughs> not very inclusive at all. Like you either have huh. to be a manic pixie dream girl or a geek or insert vaguely fucked up stereotype here to have sex and exist as a sexual being. And that's mm-hmm. wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like especially porn, Asian porn. Oh, Natty, I don't even know what to begin with <laughs> for that one. <laughs> like how many times I've been told on Tinder, like you look like Asa Kira. Like bitch, I'm not Japanese. You can't. <laughs> Like, have you, like, did you even look at my pictures? Because, like, I don't even look Japanese. Like, I don't even look like her. And, like, she's hot. I'm not going to say anything. I'm like, <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but, like, I'm not honored because I know the, where you're coming from is from a place of objectification and from a place of, like, and that sets, like, the expectation of what I'm supposed to deliver during sex. Like, being raised on the idea that, like, I can't be a sexual being has, like, has created this like forbidden garden-esque exotification of the of the oriental woman and like <laughs> my beautiful yellow skin like fuck off like i'm not a geisha like you shouldn't be calling people that because it's an actual profession but like <laughs> it's not my job yeah, yeah. <laughs> lazy right like is the only asian porn star you know asa akira yeah <laughs> like diversify yeah, dig deeper <laughs> it's like google <laughs> google it <laughs> When you're in the bedroom with somebody, whether it be a hookup or a relationship, and you go into the bedroom and, you know, they do something that freaks you out and, you know, causes an anxiety attack, what is what is that thing? For me, a lot of things can trigger me. Most of them revolve around parts of my body. So touching my hips, um, touching my thighs, touching my back. These places have scars on them. They have stretch marks, acne, just very triggering spots for me also just an acknowledgement of my hairy body in any way like if <laughs> if they like pull a hair out of their mouth i feel really bad um when if they say oh you're really hairy i didn't expect that or something along those lines which has been said to me quite a bit because i'm really fucking hairy um <laughs> being reminded of certain sexual acts that like may trigger you or like being reminded of like insecurities that you have or like being triggered in other like ways of like being reminded of like unpleasant sexual encounters like that can definitely like be really horrific for somebody and like you can really like it could really like make you freeze so that's why like having that mutual understanding prior to coming in to a sexual encounter can like make both person like both person's experiences a lot better because then like you can actually continue on with the sexual act rather than like being paused in this like really horrific way of like someone being reminded of something that like they didn't like or like a prior experience that like they may like not have enjoyed or like was not consentful even worse so to wrap up this and thank you so much Alyssa for coming on the show what would you say to somebody who's never faced anxiety who's never had a partner who's experienced anxiety what would you try to tell them and what would you want them to get out of this listening experience I think, like, I just really want to emphasize, like, being on the same page about every step of the way, being patient and being consentful and communicative, because not only does it help your partner, but it helps you have a good time at the end of the day, because, like, if you're already in this, like, intimate moment, like do everything that you can to remain intimate with one another and whether that means like being being vocal during sex or if that means like talking about each other's kinks prior like 
maybe that extra planning will help you orgasm longer for in the, in the long run like it maybe can lead to you having a better time like and it's just a matter of courtesy like you need to respect someone else's body if they're going to be respecting yours you gotta be paying the same courtesy back because it's a two-way street at the end of the day and like i just don't understand how some people just like consider it a burden because like trust me like you're not you're like you're probably a burden too you know i'm just kidding but like <laughs> but like you need to be yeah you just like need to be respectful Again, we want to thank Alyssa Liu for coming on the show today. We really appreciate her being so open about such a sensitive topic with us. And for being so enthusiastic and being able to talk about these issues so lucidly and openly. Thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate that y'all are like opening the conversation towards like a broader breadth of like what sex is like and being inclusive to those experiences. And of course, anything for Daddy Cox. <laughs> Hard and Soft is a Daily Californian podcast. We are produced by Ashley Grace Foe, Charmaine Chong, Michelle Lee, and Nathaniel Mahold. Other staff members include Jessica Dong and Haruka Senju. Follow us on all the social media networks that matter at, at Hard and Soft Pod. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and wherever else you get podcasts. And give us a five star rating on iTunes. Please, for the love of God, please give us a five star rating on iTunes. Please. If you give us a five-star rating we'll be happy <laughs> we're gonna be talking about kinks and you know what we want to hear about yours just email us at multimedia at dailycanal.org and i look forward to hearing all your dirty little secrets thanks for listening love you bye <laughs> <laughs>